Welcome to the Draw.Biz Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. G'day everyone and welcome back to the Draft Doctors. I'm your host Stevie Fears and it's happy days at the Draft Doctors because the season's over. Thank God it's uh, finally here. The time we're all happy. Uh, it's the off season, which is my favourite time of the year. We get to create our own content. We don't have to worry about waivers. We're never wrong. It's a beautiful yes. thing. Uh, I'm all about it. Uh, Proust season two, Electric Boogaloo. Get ready for eight months of this, people. Someone who's all about Proust Season 2. Uh, and look, I'm just going to throw a little warning to the to the listeners here. Uh, if you don't want to hear about Stato's weekend, skip ahead 10 minutes. Because um, I get the feeling the big man's got some words. No, actually, no words. I'm just so ready for uh, pre-season, to be honest. Uh, I'm in... Uh, Bruce season two, let's go. How was the um how was the Keeper League final state? Oh, you often talk about your Keeper League dominance. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks very much. Well, I, I will say my weekend started poorly and um yeah, it didn't get any better. We'll just leave it at that. So congratulations. That no, was a shocker, man. I, oh you got you are gonna talk. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Yeah, no, no, no. I just wanna and you were heading that way anyway, but well done to Phil. Um, bangers and mash. Uh, Great victory in the in the keeper league, coming from six positions. So he just snuck in the finals and then takes the cup away, destroying everyone in its path. Although I, I probably feel Cam, I haven't looked at your score, but the the playoff for third was a better game than the the actual grand final. So um, I think the playoff for third would have smashed us in the overall points. Um, so maybe not the right teams ended up playing in the grand final possibly no, you got to get right. there you got to get there there's so many every year in in the league there's someone who pulls out the oh I would have beaten you if I if I won and, yeah. and you didn't get there uh, you yeah. didn't get there so you know that's how it is uh cam how are you doing up there yeah so I'm that guy this year especially steve because I was looking at the keeper league and I was looking at my home league where I got eliminated last week dominated both this week so uh you know throwing it out there uh, you may not have got there, but you can still take some pride away from the year and say, you know what, I fucking beat the winner. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. And um, well, you know, you're, congratulations. You're one of the greatest losers, mate. Well done. Congratulations. Um, yeah, the biggest loser. Congra- yeah, congratulations <laughs> to Phil. Well done. We didn't run a, uh, a redraft uh, listener league this year, so uh, anyway. We usually fuck that up, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you want to be in the NFL Fantasy League, uh, stay tuned to the end of the pod. We'll be releasing details about that. Uh, a lot of re- retirements and delistings. Uh, farewelling of champs has gone on. Uh, we'll be talking about those on another pod later. We're going all off-season. We're back. It's all off-season. Every week, Draft Doctor's content. How good is that? How lucky are you? And whilst we might be the worst in-season show, we're definitely the best. <laughs> Possibly the only off-season show. Uh, but yeah, the only. Well, yeah. Today we're talking black bookers. These are players who are potentially under the radar. Um, guys we're just making a note of. 
We just want to keep in the memory banks for next year. Maybe things break their way. Uh, players who probably won't be hyped up in salary cap formats. Uh, so we're certainly keeping an eye on that. Before we get into that content, just, just uh, throwing a curveball here. I want to get your guys one player you got right this year and one player you just totally whiffed on. Who, who wants to start? Cam, who, who did you get right this year uh, that you were higher on and who did you just whiff on completely? So I, uh, it's a really hard one to call, but I was given so much stick for where I drafted took Miller in my home league. Oh, wow. And, you know, I took him probably a little bit earlier than you normally would, but I was pretty certain that the mix of the magic number 27 and uh, the clearance of the midfield you know, with Rao injured and, or coming back. I actually just thought there was a lot of opportunity there for him to go um, off the chain a little bit. And it way surpassed anyone's expectations. No one ever saw him going 100. And th- He's the top, top, he f- finished the top averaging player in fantasy, which is just crazy good. Um, one player that I completely whiffed on, um, still side bottom. Yeah. Really kind of let me down, kind of let, Everyone down, I guess. Every format just really expected him to be, you know, with Trelaw going. I kind of thought that he'd probably see a little bit more inside time. He probably, in fact, saw a little bit more forward time than anything else. And it, it kind of, yeah, not not good signs. And considering he's thirty going on thirty one or thirty one going on thirty two next year, probably on a pretty good slide for next year. He um. He was probably one who I didn't hear anyone talk about as being a real bust candidate because it seemed heading into the season that everything was at least status quo or even better for him. Yeah. So. And yet, here we are, and he's, he's popped out at 81 if you had him in your grand final. And as a, you know, considering how thin the forwards were at the start of the year, he was probably a top two, maybe early third round yeah. pick. Yeah, Completely definitely. burnt. Stato? Yeah, well, um, the last position in my keeper, I had to sort of make a call, and it was out of two midfielders. So Trent Dumont uh, was one of those, averaged um, early 90s last year, in the um, obviously in the COVID year with the scaling up, uh, and Darcy Parrish. So as it was coming to the cutoff day, I keep flicking between the two, and... Really, the end decision ended up being that uh, Dumont had a bit of an injury and looked like he might not be ready for round one. So I thought, look, he might go late in the draft. Um, so I released him and kept Parrish. Well, didn't the uh, heavens open for Parrish this year? So that ended up being a pretty good call. Um, the one that really um, ended up being a, a really big letdown was someone that I drafted late and thought, you beauty, I've got... Um, one of the best M7s uh, going around, and that was Angus Brayshaw. But his role, that outside wing role, um, ended up being so poor it was unbelievable. Average 66 this year, Angus Brayshaw. You know, you know what's crazy about him as well? The Tomlinson injury helped him, and it's still terrible. <laughs> you know, he got, yeah. he got a little bump there, and it's just still unfieldable. He was ADP of one four six. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it's it's crazy to think he he was you know obviously that Brownlow Medal level season and now 
now here we are. And he's not even talked about. No no one talks about him. No. He's, he's just a jag. Absolutely yep. jag. Um, player I probably drafted across the board, had him in my salary cap teams, is Daniel Rich, uh, who really wow. yeah. super, surpassed everyone's expectations and, and didn't really need anything to break right for him. It just just all fell into place. The player I got wrong was just Jack Martin. Easily. Easily oh, Jack yeah. Martin. He's uh, going to come back, though, isn't he? Oh, who knows? I hope so. I'll trade a lot out to get him in. I don't know. It just um, whew, didn't happen. Didn't happen at all. Thought Carlton would be better. He's perennially injured and just, uh, I don't know. Anyway. And condol- condolences to anyone who got Matt Crouch wrong. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Well, yeah, but, that... but Matt Crouch was like injured at the start of the season. And... Oh, but you, you wouldn't have picked him for the full season. Yeah. Like he, that would have been your M1. Yeah. Well, I was right on yeah. Matt Crouch at the start of the year, but I feel like I didn't I didn't get him anywhere. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yep. Anyway, Black Bookers. Black Bookers. Who are you, who are you keeping a little uh, pigsky on there? over the off-season, just keeping tabs on. Well, keeping tabs on. Uh, the idea of Braden Pruce. So, <laughs> for, for this one, I don't have data on this gentleman because, as we know, he obviously didn't play throughout the entire year. Um, but what I do have is a phenomenon, gentlemen, a phenomenon we've seen this year in the Rucks called the Great Leveling. This year... We saw Max Gorn play in a dual ruck setup with Luke Jackson, which seriously hurt his ceiling. Consistency. You can't be too sad with an average of 109 uh, and 22 games for the year. Like he's, he's obviously had a good year. Similarly, Brody Grundy pumped out a respectable 107 average, but you could have been forgiven if in the preseason you thought he was going 120 average. Yeah. We've gone from seasons of Max and Brody Grundy being in top three average fantasy players over the last couple of seasons, but this year they've slid to 14th and 18th. You know, so they're sort of coming back to the pack and they're being surpassed by people who next year will be probably only mids. So it's going to be a very mid heavy draft, you'd think, next year. So after those two, you've got the, the kind of fall into the rest of the group where you've got Riley O'Brien. Rowan Marshall, Sean Darcy, and that takes you to five. And then the next five kind of gets you down to an average of 83 at Todd Goldstein, the 10th best ruckman of the year. And it's making me think that, you know, every year it's punt rucks, but maybe next year is, you know, a really good reason to <laughs> to punt rucks again, especially if you're in like a 10-team 10, 10 league. And that's where I think someone like Braden Proust, just keeping an eye on him in the preseason he, he could potentially be slightly better than 83. He's not going to be a 100 Ruckman. He's not going to be a 95 Ruckman, but he could be better than 83. And I think there's enough there to, to make me think, well, let's just see how he does in the preseason. I think the only problem with his value is if he's fit and healthy running the preseason, looks like he's got the number one role, there's going to be so much salary cap hype because he's going to get another 30% reduction in, in those formats and thinking, oh, my God, everyone's going to be starting him as R2 in salary cap. So, therefore, everyone's talking about it. So, once a run starts on the rucks, then whammo, he's going to be one of them gone. That's my Actually, only fear with that. 
That's that's an awesome point. No, I think the flip side of that is it creates opportunity where someone takes them too early, right? So I, I think there's some really good or interesting stuff that could happen with Braden Proust next year. Yeah. i got another worry about, and I love Proust and Proust season all over, but we've seen, I think we've seen stoppages reduced, hitouts reduced this year. Yep. Seems like Braden Proust would be the sort of guy who scores mainly from hitouts. Mm. Yeah, I, I I don't think he's had a massive contested marking game, which is, you <laughs> can, know, can he lift his arms over? <laughs> like, it, maybe not. You know, like anymore, he might be. Uh, there was a guy, Daniel Johnson, Daniel, someone he used to. He was a ruckman for Port Adelaide, and I ran into him while I was living in Melbourne. And he was just like completely ruined from shoulder surgery. He couldn't move his arm up beyond like forty five degrees. So as a ruckman, he's cooked. You know, it could be similar. I suppose the only other fear for Bruce is the two they've been developing this year. Now, there is talk that one of them may be going to another club and no doubt your club, um, being Geelong Cam, will be on the search for a number one ruck, which might ease a bit of the pressure. But effectively, they've got three. So if you take Mummy aside, surely he's not going another year, but... If you, if you take him aside, they've actually got three to pick from. Are they actually managing the three? So if you get Proust, do you need to get um, one of the other ones so you've got a handcuff scenario working? I just, I don't think they've got any faith in the other two. Is Right. Is Well, I mean, they played Mummy over him, over Flynn and Briggs. Are you talking about Briggs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And look, there's another preseason coming in, who knows, right? But it, I think if you get Proust, you need not maybe not a handcuff with one of those, but you need a second Ruckman. See, I reckon Flynn, um, 24 next year, he would have learnt a lot and he showed he can score. So if Flynn goes to a Geelong, I reckon that's where the... Because the, he just will not be considered in salary cap. So there'd be no hype. Um, I think if he lands himself a number one ruck position at a club, I reckon he's got a massive opportunity. Nice. Good call. I'll write that down in my black booker. Black book. Black book. Give me all the Sam Draper. Stato, who you got? Yes. Um, well, I'm going to go in the midfield, and I'm going to talk about a player who's... Uh, turning 24 before next season starts and he'll be heading into his sixth AFL season. So I'll just read you through the data. So 2017 was his first year, 16 games, an average of 60. Um, 2018, 21 games, average of 77. In 2019, he played 18 games for an average of 80. And then 2020, he played 15 out of the 17 possible games at a corrected average of 89. So that sounds like a midfielder that's on the rise and just about to hit um, his ceiling years. But this year, he had a massive injury-affected season, only playing the eight games and only averaging 50. But this weekend was pretty much his best game for the season, just starting to build that match fitness after missing pre-season and quite a few games early in the year. So he's just about to start hitting form during finals. I'm talking about Jared Berry. 
Yeah. Great Western Victorian. And I almost I almost pulled you up on this one, Stato, because... Um, Why? Because I feel like Jared Berry was, like... He, I think he like he's very well known. Like, he was in everyone's teams last... He was in everyone's... He was owned in leagues last year. Um, yep. Maybe maybe he does get the afterthought treatment next year. I love the pick, though. Yeah. I mean, so you're dropping that much of an average and you're not going to have salary cap hype on this guy because he's only, for AFL Fantasy, um, he's only going to get a 6% discount on his previous season, which was an average of 89. So he's, you're going to have to be buying him at 80. But come draft... He's actually going to be sitting there with probably a predicted average in the 70s because he's never achieved anything factually above that in his career. So an 80 or a 75 averaging midfielder is not worth too much. So I reckon he's going to be available to fit your last position. And there's a potential that he could go between 85 and 95. So you're kind of, you're you're thinking that the reduction is purely based on injury? Yes. Okay, cool. Yep, so he missed the preseason yeah. uh, and had a really slow, had a couple of hiccups and a really slow uh, return, so he had to do the old uh, uh, medical sub and all that type of stuff. And he's slowly been building over the last few weeks uh, and this weekend um, pumped out a, an 82 He'll be spoken about him. Supercoach operates a little bit different there, so he'll be spoken about there. But, yeah, I'm all about it. And they, they talk about him, and these were the whispers last year that they sort of speak about him as a future captain um, mm. at the Lions and all that sort of stuff. So he's highly rated. Uh, first, round, first round talent. Yep. Just, uh, and um, his time time on ground had reduced from being around the 80% down to 64 this year. So... And that's obviously because of the medical sub impact. So um, if he gets a full pre-season, I reckon he's going to be great value. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my first pick is Hayden Young, uh, number, former number seven draft pick. Uh, missed a lot of footy with injuries, a lot of injuries. And, and that's going to be the big knock uh, because the talent is absolutely undeniable. Uh, over the last four weeks, he's averaged the 85.5 Dream Team and 99.5 Supercoach. Uh, so the season, but the season average is is well below that, so he's going to be quite buried. Probably going to be a little bit tricky to talk about as a uh, cash cow for your salary formats. So I think maybe the um, the draft format's certainly going to find some value there. Uh, his form has sort of coincided over the last few weeks with Nathan, Nathan Wilson. Uh, missing and being injured. Uh, they did play together into the Tigers where, where Young did go ham. He's averaging the most intercept marks for Fremantle uh, in his small sample size of games this year, so he's certainly like that uh, in both formats. And the kicking is the thing. The interesting thing is he hasn't become... Like, it, it hasn't affected Luke Ryan's kick-ins, right? So he's always the secondary option. And when Wilson was playing, he was actually the third option, even if he... If he got one, it was um, a bit untoward. So not sure that the last four games are a true reflection of where he should be. I certainly don't think he's going to come out and average 100 super coach. I think it's, you know, if you're getting mid-80s in that format, you'd be pretty happy and probably high 70s um, in AFL Fantasy. You'd be 
he'd probably be pretty happy, but he's certainly one to keep an eye on just from an injury point of view. And Nathan Wilson's out of contract too, so um, yeah. that, that's something to be aware of. Uh, teams are obviously looking to have a lot of weapons off the halfback line in this revised uh, form of football, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, <laughs> it, like running some numbers this year, it's absolutely unbelievable how much the game's changed um, below the surface numbers, if that makes sense. But Hayden Young, if he can stay fit, good pick. Yeah, totally agree. Um, be interesting to see how he's rated in drafts. So I've got the feeling this is going to be one of these guys that someone's just going to be hot on Hayden Young and probably pick him before anyone else was having him on the radar. But geez, he's got huge potential and the game on the weekend just showed that. He's got class and and can find the footy. Yeah, and, and I love the tackle numbers on the weekend. You, you yeah. just don't see that. But you could be right, Stato. Like we, we looked at someone like a Jack Lukosius in drafts last year and we... Man, we all had him pretty high, um, yep. and he really didn't deliver on that at all. So it's, it's hard to see that Young's going to get that role change, get messed around like like maybe you say Gold Coast did with Lukosius. Yeah, they haven't got Stuart to, to <laughs> coach in them. And, and it's, look, I, I think there's a lot of talent in that Fremantle back line. So um, once they find out who that top six is, six are, I think there's going to be some real points there. I, I just think, I mean, the tools are going to be always their issue because the, the tools seem to be injured. But if they get a stable six, it could be like, um, remember the old Geelong back line? They were just really good numbers between them. And I think that's where the potential is in Fremantle. I think it could be a really high-scoring team. Yeah, I love Freo going forward. It's just, man, they got that injury bug. Yeah. Don't know what it is, but hmm. Cam, no thoughts? No, no, no. I agree with everything you've said, yeah. to be honest. Like, uh, Hayden Young looks amazing for next year. And I, Stato, I think it's really interesting about the drafting maybe a little bit too early of him because there's so many defenders that are going to be mids or forwards only next year. Like, I, mm. I feel like there's going to be a massive reduction in, in quality. Wow. And so it, it could be... A, it could be somewhere something where Young becomes actually a top thirty defender by draft day. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Love that confirmation bias, Cam. Who's your number two pick? <laughs> Speaking of confirmation bias, <laughs> Justin McInerney um, popped out a you know billion points this week. Looked really yeah. good, um, but just just someone that hasn't really had much attention paid to him since his debut in twenty nineteen. He played the one game in his debut year, nine last year, and then he's come out and played 20 this year, which is actually you know, a really big improvement considering the young talent in that squad and the still old faces that are hanging around there. Um, he got outshone by Robum in his early, early years, or in his first couple of years, and a few others, and then the emergence of guys like Errol Goulden, Chad Warner, and co. Uh, and the fact that he was mid-only made him really hard to considering your draft leagues and you know, salary cap. So he wasn't really getting talked about at all. What excites me the most, actually, though, is his ceiling. He's dropped three tons this year, and this week it was 119 from memory in AFL Fantasy, which is bloody impressive. And you couple that with a few 90s, or like two 90s and some 80s, I think there's some a lot of potential there. 
not just looking at the the score itself, but how he builds it is great and really important. So it's a mix of inside and outside, which is great for how Sydney want to play the game. It's also great for how the games emerged um, this year. I, I think there's a lot of potential there with guys like you know like Robum and like Warner and like those sort of in and under. So, you know, Parker and Kennedy still gone round, but like those guys getting in and under, giving the ball out to, to Justin McInerney on the first receiver and him getting a receive and a kick, brilliant for scoring. Um, still question marks hanging over the side's makeup, I'd suggest, because they're still kind of trying, even though they're, you know, bloody top eight, surpassed all expectations, I think there's still maybe a little bit of um, a question mark about what who is in the best 22 of those young up-and-comers you see guys like Blakey going out every other week you see you know yeah Robum can't even get a game uh, at the moment so so there's probably something to play out there but uh, I think there's definite opportunity there for the same reason because it's not settled and also you'll have guys like George Hewitt who's rumored to leave he's taken up an inside mid spot eh, just enough there to to probably lock him down your on your list for next year yeah, I don't know how I'm looking at the Swans' midfield at the moment because there's so many um, mouths to ve- a feed and so much potential in the young players that they've got. So it, it's it's a really interesting one here, and I reckon because of that, and there starts being talk about that in the fantasy community, there might be a few that actually slide down our draft boards. And therefore, if those roles pay off for those individuals you're going to pick up a great bargain my issue is who are the ones um so i think warner not playing at the end of the season through injury and stuff really increases his value so he's the one that i saw probably being the 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 next best inside player so when he played early in the season where he was mixing forward with that um, inside role, he looked spectacular. So I think he's going to be a very, very good player, Warner, and I think he might slide down a little bit just because he didn't finish the year. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Warner. I, I think the thing that excites me about that entire midfield, all those you know mouths to feed but also young up-and-coming players, is it's kind of like the Bulldogs of five years ago where almost every midfielder was listed as a mid-forward. Yeah. Well, I think there's probably that opportunity where next year there's a whole bunch of them that are really viable because they'll gain dual position status. Yeah, and then they'll find someone to take off Collingwood for bugger all and stuff up everyone's role. Oh, you don't want to inject anyone from Collingwood. (laughs) That can't be good. No, no, I was just hinting at the Trelaw saga. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's it, it's a really interesting one. The Sydney midfielders, um, I'm also mindful that I don't think any, any of these uh, are going to be high in your rankings, but they will be good value. Yeah, yeah, correct. I don't I don't see him getting the inside. He, he's a wing. That, that's, you know, I, I don't think he'll get inside. Yeah. I don't think he'll get and inside. That, and that's where he's an AFL fantasy player. Yeah. On the wing. Yeah, he, he's not a super coach yeah. option. Uh, yeah. He's probably in that same sort of mix as Barry, but I, I just think Barry's better <laughs> at this stage. He might not score better, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I like McInerney. And the games, and like you were saying, Cam, the, the game's really 
um, suiting the wings more. The guys who are finding space and uh, taking marks, it's certainly good news for them. Mm. Sato, who's your second player? Yeah, second player. It's an interesting one here because I'm really hot on this guy, but whether he's going to get enough of the right role to make him fantasy gold versus a good value pick uh, is the big question mark. But it's Sam Flanders, and I'm not picking it because of his name. I'm picking it because of how good he looked when he got inside time at the Gold Coast this year. The fear is how many good young players they got coming through, but he looks uh, a quality above. So at the moment, he's a, uh, he's a Ford and a Ford only. He may get um, a dual status for, for next season because in the second half of the year before uh, exiting the team, uh, he was actually doing a fair share of inside mid-roll and we saw his scoring start to accelerate. So at the moment, <clears throat> he's a capable 70-80 uh, guy with the right role, so a mixture of forward and a mixture of that inside midfield role. But he only averaged 52 because he actually spent low time on ground um, and also a fair bit of time in the forward line early in the season. But heading into very high draft pick, heading into his breakout third season and starting to see that rotation in the second half of the year and how good he was at it, uh, I think that's only going to increase next season. And I think Sam Flanders is going to be quite worth um, being on field for you in the forward line. So I'm expecting to see... Uh, 70 to 75 uh, average from him next season as a semi-breakout, um, but you'll be able to pick him up very late. You might even be able to pick him up on your bench. I think it'll be a, a waiver wire after the first round, to be honest. like I'll, I'll find it really hard to believe if he's drafted him in a lot of leagues, but I, I think there's so much to shake out at the coast. You have guys like... Darcy McPherson, Will Brody, you know, these guys who are kind of fringy and can't get a game, they're probably leaving. Like, uh, there's there's probably not a spot for them there. Uh, and it probably creates opportunity, whereas for someone like a Sam Flanders to get more minutes, uh, which is really positive. But I, I still find it hard to believe that he would get mid-time over someone like a you know, Matt Rowe, Noah Anderson, David Swallow, Took Miller, and those like, uh, those, but if Stewie Jew leaves, like, you've got to think that Stewie Jew's on his last legs. If he's left, then everything's on the table. Like, he, he could actually get the opportunity. Look, he's high quality, so they actually need him to be developing because he's going to be a staple of that midfield for a long time. So, He's one of those that is such a high-quality player that he'll force their hand and force the time in the midfields. It's like a, um, Brisbane have got enough midfielders, but they give Zach Bailey time in there, and there's a reason why they do. This is I love the pick, and I think he's a fucking great pick for a black booker for the simple f- reason of what Cam just said. Like It's rumoured that... The Gold Coast are into Seb Ross. It's rumoured that they're into guys like Luke Dunstan. 
Hugh Greenwood's been missing. They brought these players in for a reason. There's Took Miller, who's probably going to be an All-Australian. There's Matt Rowell, who's the number one pick. There's Noah Anderson, who's probably more an outside player, if we're being completely fair. I just find it really hard to believe that you'd recruit uh, outside players. And I want to see that happen. That's why it's a good black booker to keep in the back of your mind and see what shakes down at the club. Might be a new coach. I don't know. Find it very hard to believe. Like, and, and I'm with you 100%. He looks great. I just find it really hard to believe that he becomes fantasy relevant uh, unless Gold Coast really take a step up next year. Yep. But They've certainly got to start scoring more than seven points in a quarter at some point. That's maybe next year. Who knows? When it comes, I reckon it's going to come quick. I just worry about these teams who have built over the last few years. Like, I know they've been building for a while, but built over the last few years when these guys aren't getting, the young players aren't getting real preseason under their belts and flying all over the country every other week and, and all that mm. sort of thing. That, that can't be good for you. No. You would know more about that, Stato, and I think you alluded to it um, last year even a number of times um, yeah. about the development and so forth. Someone who's uh, just finished their first season of footy. Uh, so speaking of young players, uh, Caleb Poulter uh, for Collingwood. So it was his first year, managed the 11 games before absolutely running out of gas. Played the wing uh, and played pretty well. Dropped a couple of fantasy tons in there against uh, Port and the Crows. Decent kick, uh, according to champion data. Finds the outside pill pretty well. Why I'm watching uh, is Chris Main. And his seven and a half marks per game and 90s average are walking out the door. So there is an absolute vacuum of points uh, there for an outside runner. Potentially Braden Maynard. We're hearing whispers he's being courted by a couple of other clubs with the salary cap squeeze at Collingwood, allegedly. Um, I know they play different positions, but it's more outside ball. New coach. Can he have a big preseason? Uh, he certainly scored well. Uh, you know, tall, tall player. You want to see him put on a couple of kegs and start hitting the time trials pretty well. But he played well when he was out there. Um, only problem is he'll be, uh, he's almost 100% certain he'd be mid only. Um, but a little DPP would be pretty handy. Otherwise, he might be a couple of years away. But look, there's certainly points out there. No one thought of the retiring players. Chris Main would be the one that we'd... Uh, really <laughs> lose lose out the points on but that's that's the situation we're in so I'm watching Caleb Balter I reckon another one to to throw in there would be who who's that who's the fella who was playing off the half back as well Trey Rusco yeah I, I reckon he's probably the other one if if he it seemed like they were preparing for him to play almost full time on the off the half back which is, you know, switch up from where he was in his juniors. I think he was more of a forward uh, in his juniors. So uh, I think there's maybe, yeah, between Poulter and, and Rusko, I think there's some opportunity there. I was watching this. Such bad kicks, that team. They need a good kick out there. Mm. Yeah, I don't mind Poulter. I actually, um, yeah, he showed a fair bit this year, didn't he? And he, he's one that actually find space well that that's a that, that's a unique uh, ability in your early career so a lot of people um 
actually step up to the highest level and find it really hard to understand positioning, where to run, when to run. Um, for him to naturally do that um, is impressive in a fantasy perspective. Um, so it depends on what the coach's instructions are. So he might be running into space and they're going, oh, where's your opponent? Um, but certainly for what we're looking for in a player, um, it, it's a very unique skill that not many of them have straight away. I love the players who can find space there, though. Yep. You play your role. You play your role. Uh, we got a lot of questions this week, boys. Did you have any players who you were considering who just missed the cut? Because I sure as hell did. No? My you... big one, probably Matt Rowell. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, like, no, no one's, no one's heard of him. I don't think anyone's heard of him before. No, you know, he not much probably talking. went under the radar a little bit. But... Uh, Legitimately, like, he's got a bit of stank. He's drawn a bit of stank this year, and and there's probably a few people who took him a little bit too early in drafts. You know, see how he does in the preseason, but, yeah. Steve, Stato? Um, Well, I I had one in Curtis Taylor. Um, I'm just, I've got a close eye on what Taylor's doing. Uh, I really like his role, so... Think of him as a, a little bit shorter version of good personality Tom Lynch. That's the type of role he's playing. So you actually find him out on the wing a fair bit and that sort of high half forward that has good leading patterns and can take a, a good mark, um, they can help build scores quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I had Timmy O'Brien from the Hawks who... Uh with Mitch Lewis and Johnny Seggs back in the uh, Hawthorne lineup, it's been switched down to defence and he's averaging nine marks a game over the last three weeks. Wow. Uh, unbelievably. And unrestricted free agent, uh, so he could be on the move. Uh, Hawks obviously have Sicily coming back, so certainly watch that situation. And the other one would be Jack Bytel, uh Yeah. Yep. From uh, St Kilda, if there's potentially moves from a couple of guys like Seb Ross and Luke Dunstan that we mentioned before, he's an inside mid, probably hard to crack in with uh, Steele, Brad Crouch, uh, and the oft-injured Jack Jones, probably leading the way there. Maybe young Hunter Clark finally gets his chance, but certainly Bytel shows some chops in the midfield when he gets an opportunity. So that, that talk about um, Gold Coast potentially in the hunt for someone like a Seb Ross, why do they need to do that now? They've got the talent. Don't they need to just yeah, back him bizarre. in and give him games? Yeah, it, it seems strange to me. Because um, Rat didn't work, did he? Who? Rory Atkins. Oh, no, but they did bring in Greenwood and Ellis and, and those sort of guys did work. Um, so, you, you know, you take the good with the bad. But mm. I'm not sure dragging guys from some, But I think they've got enough of those now. <laughs> well, yeah. a guy like Luke Dunstan might not be too bad. Like, obviously, St Kilda saw enough of him to let him coach and all that sort of shit. Yeah. Bit jaggy, yeah. though. Bit jaggy. Bit jaggy. Yeah. Love Luke Dunstan, though. Tinger jag. I, I just think they've got enough talent now. They've just got to bank in the talent. Yeah. So oh, just I, get games into a group. Mate, staff writers, they need to... They need to Earn their paycheck too, Stato? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's feeling I'm for staff sorry, writers. I, I, I apologise, staff writers. Maybe we should make t-shirts saying staff writers. 
anyway, we've got a lot of questions this week. We did remember to put out the call, so uh, thank you to all our listeners. We love the questions. Keep them coming thick and fast this off-season. Now, man, Ninja had a few questions. Uh, which sub players should we be looking at for 2022 with skewed averages who might slide in draft? I certainly mentioned one uh, in Jared Berry in the Black Bookers, um, but it's there will be a lot of those um, Collingwood midfielders that rotated through that sort of sub thing. So obviously McRae is, is one whose average is probably a lot lower than what it could have or should have been because of firstly role but also um, that medical sub. Um, I think Trent Dumont might be of decent value if he's healthy through the the pre-season but then North Melbourne is another one of those clubs that I think is coming through with quite a lot of juniors so how many of the sort of senior guys sort of push to at more outside-ish roles to help them develop. I'm a little bit unsure at the moment. Quentin Narkel. Oh, yeah. Got subbed a bunch, but banged out what some tons. What about Constable? Is he leaving Cam, or are you guys going to finally give him a game? No, there's no way he gets a game. Surely he's out the door. Who's in the mid-30s and looking for another club? Who guys bringing in this year? <laughs> I, th- I thought you were about Pendles. to say he's in the mid thirties. Pendles. Pendles, there you go. Pendles, Pendles. Pendles to be honest, is, would be the youngest on our list. Would be uh, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, and maybe Tom Sparrow. Maybe Captain. Yeah. Jack. Maybe Captain Jack, but probably not. Does he need to go elsewhere for opportunities, or oh, you reckon he'll build a role there? Just developing. So you know, you need depth. Stato. Not everyone can be a star. Yeah. No. True. Because um, James Jordan looks very good too, yeah, so he's. Yeah. I mean, you could always end got up some as, talent. Could always end up like Angus uh, Brayshaw. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Ninja does also ask, "What is the feeling around Tim English if he plays as a forward with ruck status? Does he become SC relevant only?" Um, uh, yeah, look, it's an interesting one, but um, obviously Steph Martin. I'd be. I don't know if he signed a two-year contract when he went to Western Bulldogs or just the one. Uh, I think the plan was that he was to help finish off uh, Tim English's development. Um, I think that we've seen signs of improvement. I don't think the last two weeks have been Tim's greatest, but we certainly saw signs that he was really developing um, a fair bit more in the ruck contest side of things, but... He did have some bad days in there too, so he's still got a bit of way to go. Um, I think he gets forward ruck status, which is always builds that great flexibility because if you can jag a late ruck on top of English, um, then you've got one of the best forwards floating around if he's predominantly a ruck throughout the season too. So, look, I, I, I think he'll just keep going, keep developing. I don't think he's ever going to be the greatest tap ruckman, but he's certainly going to be very good around the ground. Yeah, so St- Steph is out of contract at the end of next year, not at the end of this one. So he does definitely have a year. And, you know, as we were saying, a few, uh, actually the last three years, he's basically just 
falling off a cliff from a reliability perspective. Just eight games last year, seven games this year, his body's probably letting him down a little bit. So there's brilliant opportunity if, as you're saying, Tim English has forward ruck status and he becomes the predominant ruck. The challenge is that it feels like Bevo doesn't trust him as a ruck. Yeah, but he needs to at some point. Um, otherwise, he should just play him as a forward full stop and then go out in the market and find a really good number one ruckman. What's well, what he did this week. Yeah, yeah. But it, did it work for him? It's close. Close to working. Stato, mm. 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 um, how did you manage to suck down a packet of Marlboro Reds in between uh, questions? <laughs> It's not a question. I don't know what's just happened to your voice. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh no, you was back. it? Is was it the reception or is no? It, it was um, you. Just it, it was it the Reds. Yeah, it was you all that is. Yeah, yeah. I'll sing yeah, a bit of country just, western. Just getting old. Ah, uh, Surly asks, do you have an irrational? Oh my God, yes, irrational love for any players despite their performances. My examples are Matt Kennedy. I picked him for years despite him being a jag. This year I said enough and missed him. Pop. The other one is Darcy McPherson. I still picked him this year. And <laughs> bum, bam. Well, Jack Martin. I always pick Jack Martin. And It's got to come right some stage, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. This is the fucking lesson I need to learn. It is not going to come right. Allow me to preach to you from the book of Dom Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> it does not come right. You know what How much have you once? lost in those running bets, Cam? Uh, it's a, f- a six-pack a year, so down about a hundred. Oh, that's right. Oh, no wonder you're mining Bitcoin on your fucking computer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've learned about early draft picks is you can find, always find some asshole junior coach who was like, yeah, this kid's the greatest player, greatest junior I've ever seen. And I hang on to that good quote for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years of 60s. Yeah. And never let go. Years. Sharon Goat, yeah. greatest junior Mark Williams has ever seen. <laughs> his fucking career's done by his 25. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Miller time. Who lost the most preseason bets? I can't remember if we had any this year, did we? I don't think so. We were mailing it at that point. Yeah, preseason. I feel like Stato and I had one. And I'm going to say I won. Because I yeah, need of course to make you up. You can't the, remember what it is. Yeah, yeah. I need to make up for the Dom Tyson stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. I remember me and Stato were. Uh, Stato was trying to get me in on a Michael Walters bet, and I was like, "I'm not. Be- I don't bet." And oh, I, and I you would have won I, it I flat out. <laughs> yeah. Um, By country mile. Tom DT asks most surprising aspect of the 2021 fantasy season. Oh, just the injuries. That that just. Um, I've just never known so many fanti- fantasy-relevant injuries throughout one season. Um, it was just uh, haywire. Like, I mean, even this week's grand final, uh, I think I had to make five changes from players that, that played the previous week that weren't available anymore. It's, it's just a remarkable... And every coach was affected. So if you went through the season without having a whole heap of red crosses um, sitting on your bench, um, you were a very lucky coach. Cam? 
No, I think yeah, I think that's probably it for me. It was injuries and changes in scoring patterns. So seeing some of the outside guys like McLuggage get quite consistently big scores. We know wingers can go sort of anywhere between that 105 to 80 uh, and seeing them sort of pop out more consistent scores and being able to average over 100 was good. Him and Carl Amon being two examples of that. Um, otherwise, yeah, probably injuries. Just just injuries. Speaking about consistency, um, do we actually see Andrew Gaff coming back? So he ended up averaging 97 for the year. So that's a 10-point down season on what's generally been a consistent 108. Even though he throughout the seasons he'll give you a 60, 70 every now and again, but the following week he'll give you 130 and just then go on a run of really good scores. Is Andrew Gaff at 28 going 29? Is, he, is this the new him? Um, or is this just a reflection of the their squad starting to slide? I'm always I always refer to guys like Gaff and Shuey in that uh, to the footballistics book, who make a pretty stark um, statistical case for when Western Australian players and I think it was Brisbane players as well uh, get past I think it was 200 or 250 games. Once they get past I think maybe 200 200 games. Once they get past it, because of the travel factor, mm. they, they really go off a cliff. Um, so seeing someone like Shannon Hearn being able to s- sustain really good performances so so late in his career is pretty remarkable, but I wouldn't bet on it. Fair enough. Good call. Uh, and I'll say there has been a major... Um, shift in market share which i will talk about at a later date but it is shocking to say the least stonks stonk watch uh gorn and fritch asks thoughts on shaman as a long-term prospect uh i like the look um but he's one player i don't know a lot of background to so i like to put all the pieces of the puzzle together but um, just watching a little bit of um, um, his games um, I've been impressed with what I've seen Um, so it's a good start I I just don't know how I read it for the long term Big Vic Maynard after the more mid-time flag (laughs) (laughs) He went early didn't he? And self-nominated. It wasn't an assistant coach discussion or press conference. He attacked it himself. You love to see it. Yeah. You love to see it. Um, the rise of Parrish, did it hurt Caldwell? This is from Luke. The rise of Parrish, did it hurt Caldwell's 2022 opportunity? I mean, he was injured like two-thirds of the year. I, I think the... Uh, he's starting to show an injury history, Corbell. So th- this is not the first time um, that he's had a, a um, these type of injuries. I always get worried when people have soft tissue when they're young. Um, that is never a good sign. I would think that Jake Stringer's hurting more. Yeah, valid. And um, and Shield coming back. Like, he, he, ever since 
both of them have been playing together, Shield and Stringer. He's I, I don't think he's tunned in that time. That's what like this is what we all. <laughs> it's really funny when we talk about guys who are going to break out. You really have to make a logical case for them to get a, a juicy role. And if they're not pure pure wing or pure mid or have DPP or something like, it's it's such a hard sell. Like as yeah. if as if Essendon are going to move Parish or Shield out of there. Plus they got Zach Merritt. Plus they got McGrath. Like there's only so much so many pieces of the pie. Not yeah. everyone can be good. So sorry, I, I got that wrong. So Parish yeah. turned last week, but it was sixty nine, ninety seven, eighty one. 111 than 64 this week so it it you know it doesn't look overly promising for for him there, there is some rumors of shield going to another club which i find hard to believe because he's got such a long contract at the bombers but maybe hey. carlton will finally get him um his second half of the question was row bottom or or florent um i'm a florent guy i like row bottom but if if i was to be offered one in the league, I'll take Florent first. Have you, have you been an owner of Florent before? <laughs> right. Okay. Tell me more. He's one of the most... We call him Floggant because he's one of the most frustrating guys to own. He literally just runs around near the ball, never does any... He has no thirst, Stato. There's no, he no, doesn't want no, the ball. This is not a crossover pod. Yeah, I yeah. know. I'm trying to use terms that Stato can understand. <laughs> well, they're very limited, are they? <laughs> he's a yeah, Florent I, I, guy in a Florent world. What are you? <laughs> yeah, he's a Florent guy. Um, but he he's got more job security than Robum, hasn't he? As much as I like Robum, but think of the talent that's coming through. Hmm. What, so a, what about Neither? Robum Ro has limited um, job opportunities where I think Florence got more. I, I actually think people are going to see Robum in a different light next year simply because cool. he, he had limited pre-season injuries throughout yep. the season. I, I think there's upside. Fair call. Uh, Silly also asked, if Cheryl leaves Frio, I'm all in and wrong. He'll be huge next year. Yes, we all are, Silly. That's why... No one talked about him because we think he's a bit above this um, this discussion. Yeah, he's going to be big. What uh, about Cher? Hang on, what about the other side of that? So Chera leaves. He's rumored for Blues. It's a fucking bad landing spot. Yeah. yeah. For fantasy points. That's yeah, yeah. Well, they've got to get one of their recruits right somewhere along the way, don't they? I just don't know if it's him. Like, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that because he can play like 14 different roles, they can, they'll throw him around. And I, I think that's terrible for fantasy, like super bad. Matt Kennedy finally got that opportunity where he earned a role. So if they get new recruits, he's lost it again, isn't he? Yeah. That's the problem, man. Like they've got to build, they've got to build a culture, eh? Like you can see that from the mm. outside. But is he doing anything wrong? No, of course not. Mm. He's Luke Dunstan. He's better than Luke Dunstan. Well, he's better sure. than Luke Dunstan. But you, you know the yeah. guy who goes out, produces. Yeah. You know what I mean. But I suppose, is Kuno getting inside time? Or is he 
mainly outside now. So, sometimes. Yeah. So th- there is roles available because he's getting on. Well, he's not that old. He's not as old as you think, I don't I'm I think he's 31. Sure. Yeah, we'll have to feels, look that up. Feels 31. Does he? He feels 31. Feels, feels 31. When, when, you, when, when you, have you felt him? When you squeeze him, he feels... When you squeeze him, he's almost 32. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I take that back. He is a bit older than you think. <laughs> he's, he's as old as you would think. Wait, depend. Yeah. Do you think he's young or do you think he's 32? Because well, he, that, he, that really changes the perspective of how you... <laughs> does, Get that does old Cetterf- cunt out of <laughs> Does Setterfield... Um, oh, man. Does Setterfield... Make it back. Kennedy's better than Setterfield, isn't he? I would have thought so. You would have thought and so. And got a bit more strings to the bow. Um, and you, you've also got, um, I think it was a trade whisperer sort of saying that, um, or suggesting Paddy Dow has played his last game at Carlton. I love that. I love <laughs> such a trade whisperer thing to do. Come out and say, yeah. Paddy Dow has played his last game for Carlton and then... Literally hours later, Paddy Dow plays another game for Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, that, if they were going to get Chera, surely he's part of that package. Yeah, maybe. Right. He's not. He's not from the West, is he? Who gives a shit? He needs an opportunity. Yeah, it's true. There. Well, he had plenty of opportunity this year. He was in the guts and started every game really well, and then couldn't find the footy after the tank was empty, which mm. was about six minutes into the first quarter. <laughs> He did get cursed by Doss. He did. Big time. Imagine Tough having a vid- imagine being a guy like that and having a fucking video made about you. If anyone at the club fucking saw that, it would be replayed ad nauseum and the shit you would cop would be goddamn horrendous. I, apparently his mum got fired up. Like really fired up and just sort of saying, you, you put too much pressure on young Paddy. Oh, really? It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I, I will say he did play good footy this year. So he looked, um, he struggled early, but uh, after the bye break, um, which they, they just stuck fat with him, which I think is a really good thing to do with young developing players. They stuck fat with him. He actually started making a really good impression inside. I mean, the only issue is he doesn't seem like he can maintain it for the whole game yet, and that's probably just building that tank. Mm. He did play. He did, he did have, he, she showed something. Yep, absolutely. But, um, it's pretty hard when they just keep rolling jag crips out there. Mm. <laughs> so good. Rocky Surely T- he can make it back. Jag. Uh, Rocky Titch, it's, hey, it's two years in a row of just complete shit. So if he's injured, they need to sit that man. Or the fact yeah. he can't win any outside ball, uh, maybe, maybe he's a bad thing. Rocky Titch asks, anything good to come out of Frio Young next year? Yes. <clears throat> we talked about him. We did. So, enjoy that. Oh, God, there's more questions. AJS Hawker. No, wait, that's not a response. Oh, my God. Gabe Grossman. Pandemonium as my draft league grand final has ended in a tie. Whoa. Oh, no. You fucking hate to see it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. God. It's so, a, it's obviously, blocks. league rules are top points for the year. I would have thought it's the higher finishing team. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's a tough situation, man. You hate to see it. 
Yeah. Just split the money. Split the money. Uh, that's all the questions we got. Uh, so thanks everyone. It was a massive season. Thank you so much for your support, uh, on the pods return. It's been amazing. Uh, we will start. When's interesting. When, when are we going to do your 22 under 22? Yeah. I, I would need a couple of weeks. To do, yeah. It won't be too far away. So before the actual season, um, or finals are over, we'll season's, do that. The season's so, over. Yeah. The season's over. Yeah, well, the season is. There's no more football. No more football. Um, But it will happen in September. So we'll make that promise that we'll we'll do the the Keeper special in September. Massive. Massive. Maybe regression candidates next week. Great idea. Yes, let's do it. So we'll pump pump tonight. We'll positive. Let's get negative for next week. Let's get negative. Oh, Jack's bring the, bring the You're in the Reds gun, back, motherfucker. <laughs> so I'm going to spend all week getting grumpy. I'm going negative. Get those Marlboro Reds back out there, Stato. And get oh, can we get... You know what would be great? Seeing Stato just hack a dart, doing a kickflip. Oh, no. Just down at the skate park, backwards hat. No. Darts no. out. <laughs> no, thank you. Not even doing a kickflip, just sitting on your board, just glaring motherfuckers down <laughs> with your salad. Like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Thanks for listening. All right, boys, let's go. All right, I'm hungry. Okay, so if you've hung around waiting for the end of the show to to get entry into the NFL Listener League. Uh, congratulations on making it this far. Uh, I did forget to mention it during the show, so here we are. All you have to do is go to Twitter, go to the Draft Doctors, at the Draft Doctors, find the tweet that is about today's pod dropping. Uh, it should happen in the morning sometime, very easy to, very easy to find. And just reply, hashtag Harvest Lane Sponsor Us. That's all you have to do. Easy. And we'll pick out a whole bunch of people to play in the Listener League with us. If there's too many, sorry, uh, if we fill the spots early, that's how it is. Uh, hashtag Harvest Lane sponsor us. Super easy. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Mrs. Fizz is going to play. Uh, she walloped me the other year. So uh, that's all cool. So, yeah, wait for that tweet. Wednesday morning, reply to that tweet. Easy peasy. All right, see you guys.